Blog Talk Radio. Here at ACO Radio, American Communications Online, or any affiliated stations or websites are not responsible for what guests, hosts, or call-ins may say. All programming is intended for informational and entertainment purposes only. I just had to get the phone number going for our guest tonight. This is all about American Communications Online and American Communications doing uh, me, Teresa J. Morris, uh, as ET Radio. (laughs) TJ Morris ET Radio is our brand. And we're going to be talking UFO Association tonight and a lot of history with a ufologist, well-known historian, former military, 50 years, uh, and his OS intelligence, our open source intelligence. And we're talking about trust and how we can work together. And I am uh, working together with people in a holding company, and I'm an agent, and I'm doing my best to help people uh, that I met in the past, including J. Allen Hynek, get the story straight. So uh, what we're going to do tonight is ask anybody that knows me that wants to come and be a volunteer in our community. You can find me on patreon.com forward slash Teresa J. Morris. That's Teresa with an H, -H T-H-E-R-E-S-A-J-M-O-R-R-I-S on patreon.com. And I will be sure to make sure that whoever you're wanting to uh, support or whatever group or association including ACO Association for Professionals and Agents, Consultants, Organizers. And then we have ACE Metaphysical Institute for Mystics, Oracles, Psychics, Agents, Seers. We have uh, UFO Association for Ufologists and ACO Alien Contact Org for Alienologists. And then we have Cryptozoologists and even Fortean and Unexplained Mysteries. But, uh, you know, with lack of government funds these days, uh, we're excited to tell you what the past has offered us. 
including people that are like me, we're journalists, uh, researchers, investigators. But I'm just coming back to work with different associations I've agreed to help uh, get their information out there, especially videographers and, uh, well, photographers and artists, and uh, even Susan Wyman, which has only been a psychic all her life, but willing to help her, and she's helping us. So uh, without further ado, I'm going to bring on uh, Jan Aldrich, so I'm going to call him right now, and I'm dialing his number. Let's see if he'll show up here. I think he's in Connecticut. Jan so he's helping us. Susan Aldrich. Oh, wait, which phone Can't you take your call now. Oh, okay, let me hang At up the tone, on the phone. Please record your message. When you have finished recording, simply hang up or press Let's pound see. for hang further up, options. Let me hang up with Jan. Okay, Jan, I'm going to call you. Okay, Jan, I'm calling you. So uh, Jan is really good at what he does. So uh, I guess i got to call him again. All right, here we go. 860. Now that i got the number, let me try that one more time. Okay, I've got to hang it up. Let's see. All right, let's dial that, and we're going to hang this one up. I had to get his phone off. He was like, I'm over here. He's like on the cell phone. Jan <laughs> so, or Susan they, Aldrich. Whoops. Are we not hung Can't up over here? take your call now. At the tone, please record your message. When you have finished recording, simply hang up or press pound for further options. All right. Well, let's see. Hi, Jan. We're still trying to reach you. Uh, I guess we're on the other line. Uh, we had this. Okay, Jan Aldrich is a ufologist, folks, and he's doing a great job of trying to scan and to digital world so all of us can have trust in open source information. And uh, I'll try to call him right back. So third time's the charm, right? All right, let's try one more time. Okay. Well, okay, we'll get together, folks. It's uh, I know it sounds funny, but I'm having to go through my contacts to get his phone to call in the studio because I'm in two locations with several phone lines and running a board. So uh, it's like you see audio, video, but uh, what we're doing here is the uh, the computer does not store the number. Uh, I wish Hello? it did. Yeah. There we are now. Yeah, I, got you I, I, right I guess phone. I got I got a, a voicemail on your on the phone and it knocked me off. Oh, okay. Well, we had you on one, but we couldn't get you on the studio. But all right, I told them three times the charm. So we apologize for technical difficulties. But folks, we're we're only human, and we're going to talk about that tonight. Is how much we trust ourselves as human with information that's been here on the planet for a very long time. And Jan, before he passes in this reality, wants to help us. And he's going to talk to us about all that he's doing. He came on last year, and we tried to do as much as we could, but it was never enough. So he's going to catch us up in 2020 because we thought he was going to be traveling around like he usually does. And uh, because of COVID-19, and, of course, I had a hurricane here, There's just all kind of global things, as everybody knows. So let's get started. Jan Aldrich was over 50 years in the government, and uh, he's been trusted 
to uh, the government, and the government trusted him, and they had a good re- relationship. But, you know, it taught him a lot in the intelligence world and also research and archiving, but not so much as his history maybe in the ufology. So I've, I've got some questions lined up tonight, but let's let him talk about being a ufologist and what that means to him. We've got a little bit of his history, and we've got a little bit of history with him and J. Allen Hynek's QFOs. So, Jan, with a little bit that I've told people tonight, why don't you tell us why we're doing these oral reports here for UFO Association for all the groups that you and I have known about, and we'll get into Project 47 and then the future, and I don't see anybody yet, so I told them an hour later by mistake, so we're on your time, 9 Eastern, so 8 o'clock my time, folks, 7 Mountain and 6 Pacific, so everybody, I apologize I, I reprint it out there on Facebook. But, Jan, over to you now. Let's, let's hear, what are we doing here now as, uh, in promoting ufology and UFO association and scanning the digital? And why is Jan Aldrich using the last of his time? Because he, you actually had cancer. So there's a lot of details here. So where would you like to start? Well, the, the idea is to... Um you know, when people die, a lot of information dies with them. And unfortunately, in ufology, what happens is um, after people die, a lot of their files go to the uh, to the dump. So if you uh, and this this is not the only uh, subject that has that. I've talked to. Uh, uh, Meteor tracers, and they say, yeah, if you want to find uh, you want to find uh, files from uh, passed away colleagues, that's where you go to the dump because you know people don't think this what they did was important. So, so it's not just us; it's actually people that are involved in uh, uh, regular science or mainstream science that this this thing happens. Um, so my idea is to come on come on shows like this to more or less uh give some hints about what i what I've been doing what I've looked at um tell some stories about uh things that people can uh move on with after I pass away uh, they can take it further the re- further the research um and it's an open secret now that uh the uh, center for ufo studies which was founded by j allen heineck uh is now uh digitizing its files and uh i would say maybe 40 percent of the files have been digitized up to date I'm working on some of that right now with Barry Greenwood. We're going to have uh, some other people uh, assist us. Um, besides the KUFOS files, we are also putting our own files uh, uh, up there, so that that will increase the KUFOS files. And uh, both Greenwood and I have. Uh, uh, files from people that have either quit ufology or passed away. So Dr. Willie Smith in Florida, um, 
uh, Andy Roberts in England, he didn't pass away, but he quit. Uh, Keith Chester uh, did a lot of research in um, World War II material, but he's gone on to other things, so we have his files. And so all these and uh, dozens of other people uh, have have uh, given up their files, and we are putting these in, uh, uh, they're they're being combined with the uh, Kufos files. So it'll be a it'll be a pretty big uh, uh, database. And unfortunately, this is the problem. We have a lot of people that have files, not just in in the United States. I mean, I've got a database from uh, uh, Pablo uh, Petrovich in Chile, and this is is an excellent uh, tool for me to use to uh, get uh, cases. Um, And we've got other uh, various uh, databases in Sweden and some of the other countries. I got one from Germany and one from England, which uh, helped me out. Uh, besides that, uh, we're still collecting information. I, that's what I've been doing. I've been collecting information for about 50 years now. And so there's big piles of information here that need to be straightened out, and this is one way to do it, digitize it, put it in a digital filing cabinet, and it can be searched and recalled. Uh, so Barry Greenwood has just recently uh, he found a, a large number of Swedish newspapers online, and even though he doesn't read Swedish, he was able to find keywords and. Uh, uh, get about 3,000 pages of uh, newspaper stories on uh, ghost flyers, ghost rockets, and UFOs in Sweden. So uh, that is pretty good. And the uh, uh, Brazilian National Archives has a huge collection of Brazilian papers. Once again... Neither of us speak Portuguese, but it is possible to screen these newspapers with certain terms. And so uh, Barry is about up to uh, 55,000 news stories from the 40s, 50s, and 60s. Um, And... uh, the the way the Brazilian archives operates, they did not expect uh, their collection to be able to be used in this way. So we have a workaround. We can find the newspapers and search the stories, and then uh, so it's uh, it's it's uh, it's a laborious task. It's not easy. It's not just like well click on this newspaper, go to the source, and 
copy it. It, it. It's a little more complicated than that. But we're up to about five five thousand five hundred uh, pages, uh, and I think Barry says there'll be six hundred before he uh, he quits here. Um, yeah, one thing we have is when we went the last time we went to Kufos, we brought back uh, uh, several boxes of files, and one thing that Barry has is. A collection of files, and the Australians are telling me they want to get at this real bad because it's disappeared over there. <coughs> Apparently, what somebody did is went to all the Australian UFO societies and uh, copied all their files by Xerox, and then Kufos got a copy of that file. Where other copies of that are, nobody knows. But once we start scanning it in, it'll be a, a good resource, not only for us, but for the Australians. So uh, while this is, uh, I would say, grunt work, in other words, we're not really learning anything, uh, just except just by accident. I mean, things appear when you start scanning stuff, the same dates or other dates, uh, or or um, the content of the story or the location. Sometimes gives you hints, and sometimes uh, we find uh, a uh, an entry, say in 1947 to an aircraft case and then we go ahead and keep scanning stuff and and then right next to it pops up the same date and more details and that's been done uh, a number of times we're finding more details to cases just by scanning it and putting it in files like this um I would rather be out researching and doing things uh, and analyzing things than doing this, but somebody has to do it, and so it's, it looks like it's on me. So that's, that's what I'm doing. I'm trying to uh, continue this work uh, and make it available for people later on. I mean... Nobody has used the Kufos files except for occasional inquiries for the last 10 years or so. It's essentially unavailable. We're trying to make it available to people. And since I have a large collection on my own, uh, and, and I've taken a lot of people's files into my possession, these will be available. So it'll be a huge database of, or a huge filing cabinet and people can uh, they will be able to use it in the future uh, so it will be very interesting to see what what happens after that of course I won't be around for that but some of you will um, and I think uh 
I think there are things that will, just by doing uh, data mining and things like that, things will become apparent about the UFO phenomenon uh, just by having this large database which can be quickly searched. In other words, you don't have to thumb through a bunch of folders looking for things. Well, how do you foresee us? I know you and I discussed uh, open source intelligence, but the uh, new uh, intelligence analysis system has changed for the world with uh, Arno Rooser over in the Netherlands. He's done a good job, and I like his diagram. And uh, just indexing the names, I, folks, I'm trying my best to uh, get involved uh, as a prior investigator, journalist, government employee, but I'm all retired from all that. So what I'm trying to do now is just with the time that I've got now is to at least bring oral reports from Jan and Barry. We started here, but we're trying to get a who's who, and Jan's been uh, very lenient with my time and his time from scanning, which is his life's mission now. But we would like to get other people, but there's a – problem of trust in the universe uh, and a lot of this information that's been dumped some people have gotten it and hold of it and maybe the librarians and a lot of us librarians that uh, think like librarians or spend a lot of time growing up in libraries and then uh, I guess me and Jan got started at a young age both our names are Jan I'm finding a lot of synchronicities with the people's names just involved, including a lot of Barry's and a lot of Jan's, <laughs> Barry's too. Barry Gonfer is helping me in Kentucky and Barry Greenwood. I don't even know where, what state. I've only talked to Barry one time uh, from the CUFOs getting the information with Jan. But uh, Alien Contact Org in 2014 came to be with Jan Maccabee and Jan, uh, not Jan, is it Jan? Dr. Bruce McAbee and Jan is his wife. And then we did have uh, Jan in MUFON, and he is stepped down. Uh, uh, off, uh, we got Captain McDonald back in, in his place. So I've got a lot of work to do just to keep up with the people that are going to be who's who on our timeline while Jan is alive. So he quoted some people, so we have them here uh, at least on the T.J. Mars ET radio will be the way you'll track it into the blog archives. And I've been paying for eight years here, so we have all of his recordings here. And so you'll have to go back and listen to them. But what do you suggest on this indexing? Uh, what about all the names? Are, you and Barry aren't going to have time to – you're just barely got time to scan. Does it automatically – when you scan it into your program, does it scan the so, uh, resource name? Or yeah, it, I don't even know how to. Uh, the way we've got it set up is, uh, uh, we we do the date by year, month, and day. Then the location, uh, country, uh, state, and uh, uh, city or area, and uh, uh, then a, a brief description of what happened, if it's a CE2 or if it's a 
uh, in other words, uh, electromagnetic case or car stalling, that would be CE2E. And uh, if it's some kind of physical thing that happens to the um, to the peop to the uh, uh, to the environment, it would be a CE2M, and that's for physical stuff. And then if it's something that happens to people, like they get paralyzed, um, their body temperature raises, the hair on their head stands up. To, Um, they feel heat or cold. That would be a CE2P for physiological effects. Now, how did you? And then we go ahead and put in put in the uh, uh, anything that's unusual after that. And if we have room, we put in the witnesses case where the thing came from. Okay, Kufos. Or did it come from the earlier outfit called NICAP? Or did it come from, uh, say, uh, George Fawcett? Um, or did, uh, uh, did it come from Barry Greenwood or whatever? We put the name in there. Or so. Uh, uh, <laughs> Richard Greenwell, Richard Greenwell, uh, who was uh, assistant director of APRO at one time, uh, he uh, he also had an organization when he was overseas called APRO Brazil, uh, Aerial Phenomena Research Organization, and it was a Brazilian chapter. Or and why do I keep saying Brazil? I meant Peru, Peru. And so he uh, he had contact with military people down there, and uh i don't have all his files but i have some of his files so those are up in his name and apro peru are listed there so um uh and if there's if there's room we sometimes list the investigator if there's room so that's we've got those so you can you can actually do a lot of different searching just from that little bit of information on the file name. Wonderful. You can do a lot of searching, and you can do a lot of searching by date, by um, uh, location, by type. So that that gives you a lot of uh, material to do that. And you know, I I just uh, uh, I just uh, got onto the uh, uh, messaged my uh, colleague in Australia, uh, Keith Basterfield, and uh, I asked him about. Uh, uh, I have a whole bunch of cases here from uh, from the north the Northern Territory in in Australia from uh, 1998 and I said you know I, I I'm not I, I'm not sure I trust this um, these cases here what's your opinion and he told me he says look uh, I don't think these guys did very good work up there he said but of of the cases I've looked into afterwards they don't make up details they're they're pretty 
they're pretty straightforward on what they do. They just don't do enough. But he said, so you can use their material. So I said, okay, so I'll start putting it into my, uh, uh, into the digital filing cabinet because, you know, it's, because uh, uh, I had some run-in with, with uh, one of these, uh, the the main fellow in in Australia, and he was quite uh, he's he's quite hard to get along with. <laughs> but uh, that's but, gonna happen. That's yeah, but happen. but Keith, well, but see what happened is Keith told me he says, look, I don't think they did a thorough enough job, but they're not making stuff up. They're 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 really what they investigate is what they have. So. It's you know it may not be the best quality, but it's better than nothing, and the integrity is there. I mean, they're not they, trying to put something over on us. Were they law enforcement trained or historians? No, no, no. I, uh, I think one guy is a. Um, he's like at a trading post. Uh, up there, so he has a lot of Aborigines stories. Of course, when you have Aborigines stories, a lot of times it's hard to pin pin details down. Well, there it is reports they're of Australia nature, so maybe you can put hashtag A for Australia and AB for Aborigines. Or, but you are using the uh, J. Allen Hynek system. Would you like to explain that to people for your uh, database, or do you want me to cover that in our UFO association or just cut and paste it in? Right. How would you like to handle that? Well, yeah, we use a, a modified uh, Heineck. Uh, represent, representation for, for uh, cases. So if it's... Uh, uh, he had uh, uh, daylight discs. He had uh, night lights, and then he had uh, close encounters. Uh, close encounter one was uh, just a uh, either uh, um, in in the area of the of the witness so that would be it didn't have to touch the ground but it had to be close to the witness and there's apparently no effects on the environment Uh, close encounter two is there's effects on people or the environment or animals and three is when um, supposed occupants of the UFO are seen now people have uh, extended that to like Close Encounters 4, which is uh, a communication or an abduction. Um, so uh, that's fine. And uh, we're interested in aircraft sighting. So uh, uh, when I worked with. Uh, um, Uh, Weinstein, uh, we used uh, uh, aircraft 
UFO encounter, A-C-U-F-O-E, for uh, when the air crews or air passengers on airplanes uh, saw something. So that was that's something we've extended there that Heineck didn't have. And if there's other things, you know, sometimes there's, you know, there's 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 a lot of uh, things going on with a UFO encounter. I mean, or a UFO case. Um, so you have like one here. Here's one from France in 1921, uh, 1929. Oh no, I'm sorry. It's in, it's yeah, it's a French name, but it's <laughs> it's in it's in Quebec. Okay. <coughs> it's an occupant case. Um, there was wind from the UFO. The ground shook, and there's about a two or three other things that happened in this case. Uh, it's just too much to put into this. So, um, but that that's 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 what we do. It so people can search that kind of thing. Uh, uh, 1935, uh, Uganda. There's a whole bunch of cases that Greenwood found in the U- Uganda Journal. And this is 1935. This is long before before Kenneth Arnold. Um, lights being seen and objects being seen in the sky. It's just like a regular UFO flap. So, uh, this is the this is the type of thing we do. Ah, okay. Uh, uh, CE, uh, okay, this is a close encounter one. It's a vehicle interference case, uh, or, excuse me, a vehicle encounter case. The UFO blocked the road. 1936. That's, yeah. Uh, everybody thinks that, the, uh, let's say the public thinks that UFOs started in 1947, but they they go back quite a ways. Well, that's when we started the National Security Council, NSC. I don't know if that's when Majestic 12 was started. Is that what we go by? Because we have the Majestic No, we go back to Kenneth Arnold, the first sighting that was publicized worldwide. Okay. So he was uh, uh, June 24th, 1947. uh, There must have been... Thousands over the years, probably ten thousands of articles written on Arnold Sayi. There's not a book that doesn't mention him. So this is. Do you think it was Fate Magazine that put him on the uh, map? Do you remember the history? No, he had his sighting before Fate Magazine existed. Uh, I guess that just made it popular for a lot of people, the word flying. Well, no, the, the newspapers made it popular. The newspapers okay. the newspapers are the ones that coined the word flying saucers. He said it was skipping through the air like a saucer thrown over water. And so people, um, uh, they said flying, the newspaper sort of coined the word flying saucer, and that's where, where that came from. 
Now mm-hmm. there is uh, there is a previous uh, nomenclature for flying saucers. Skeet shooters sometimes call the skeet when it's shot off. They call it a flying saucer. Um, so that has some relationship too. Uh, uh, like uh, uh, another Arnold, uh, Hap, General Hap Arnold of the Air Force, uh, when he was sending his pilots overseas, if they went by boat, a lot of them went by ship. And so he said he had them set up skeet shooting in the back of the ship is to uh, 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 be able to practice their uh, their skills when they get in or keep their skills alive when they got into combat while they were being transported overseas. You okay there? Yeah. Okay, I didn't know if I lost you. <laughs> no. Sorry, I just heard you mention something or something clicked. All right, well, that's great that you're getting this. Uh, this gives a little bit of your opinion. I know in, uh, as investigators, they don't really like our opinion, but every report I wrote for the Judge Advocate General at the end of my joint, uh, you know, I had to, my JAG investigation, they let me, the last paragraph was finely tuned to say, it is my opinion that, but I like getting people's opinions because you had a trigger of emotion there, which is exciting because I know to uh, a lot of our people that are in our MUFON or our Alien Conduct Org, they they say that people like you and me, they're historian, archivist, nuts and bolts are boring, but uh, they don't. They seem to like Richard Dolan. Rich Dolan, as Terry uh, Cassidy calls. Rich Dolan, I guess he goes by Rich now, I don't know, but you had mentioned Richard Dolan, and I've had him here on the radio show, folks. You can go back and listen to a couple of chats with Richard and Karen, his wife, my ex-wife. I haven't had his new wife on, but Janet has. So, uh, Jan, your name is not out there like uh, uh, our good friend that helped me start UFO Association, Stuart uh, Oh, not Stuart. Uh, well, it was uh, George Filer, but the other one that died, uh, Stan. <laughs> Stan's in my books. We were going to write a book together, but his New York uh, publicist, and he was working with Kathy Martin. So uh, that was back in 2006 when he was. He and I were discussing how we met uh, Jesse Marcel. And then Don Berliner, which you knew about. Did you ever meet Don Berliner or, or J. Allen Heineck or Stanton T. Friedman, who I'm talking about for the record? I met, I met uh, Stan and I met uh, Don Berliner. I never met Heineck. I never talked to Heineck. Well, I never met Stan. I, I tried to talk Berliner. to him about a case one time, but uh, uh, he wasn't there. Well, I talked to them. I've talked to them on the phones back in the day when we had phones, and they would just miss me on investigations. But the men in black or the different Air Force or Navy kept us all separate, I guess. But uh, Berliner and Stanton were uh, contractors, if I believe. 
Now, you understand when I talk, whether I was in uniform or out, you understand the difference in, you know, legal investigators, private investigators, government investigators, and then you yourself were intelligence, and as you said, S2 Division Army, but you were artillery. But you, I was a security manager for my platoon or my group or my, uh, well, you know, we have so many people. But when I was out in Hawaii, I worked the whole island. I worked the whole sink pack fleet, right, and uh, worked with the CBs and uh, people coming on with their clearances to get on base. So, which they came to, uh, you know, Pearl Harbor first, right? So, where were you? You were in Germany. Uh, for, you you were in ufology before you went left for Germany. Is that a correct statement that you were? Yeah, I was in before I went into the army. I was. Let's clear that up because a lot I was of in ufology before I uh, I did any before I went into the army. Let's clear that up for everybody. Can you explain that, please? Because you worked with Don Berliner downtown as a young boy in an office that I already know about. But for the record, would you explain that in 2020? Because ufology has got – me and I'll be honest. When Stanton Friedman and I used to talk, we, we laughed about ufology until he challenged me to – pull up a hundred UFO people that I could think about. So one of my assignments in 2006 for the UFO Association was to have a who's who of a hundred ufologists and I couldn't do it. (laughs) So I guess that's why you and I are here today. And you even said a lot of our ufologists are not known and you were going to help me with KUFOs get some of these ladies that were in yeah, I like to bring in the lady ufologist, but so go back to your history. Explain how could you possibly to these young kids today be a ufologist before you were even in the army? I know why, but why don't you give a you know a general explanation? Folks? Well, I read, just, uh, I'll tell you what, it's just uh, um, I saw a ball of lightning when I was in junior high. It came out of uh, uh, an oven uh, during uh, an electrical storm, an electrical snowstorm during uh, um, during uh, uh, a blizzard. And it's a little, no bigger than a quarter ball of of light that exploded when I opened the oven door. It's like a cherry bomb going off inside it was really noisy so i saw that i asked my father when he came home what it was he was a he was a chemist and knew a lot about science and he said well you want to find out what it was go to the library because i don't know so that's what i did i started going to the library started reading about ball lightning there wasn't much to read then cyclopedia britannica said that some some uh meteorologist in the 30s, 1933, a guy named Humphreys, had proved that there was no such thing. Does that sound familiar? He proved that there was no such thing. So, um, and as I, I started reading about ball lightning, I started reading about uh, UFOs. So I read Captain Edward Ruppelt's, the report on 
unidentified flying objects. And that got me interested in UFOs. At first I was interested in ball lightning, then I was interested in UFOs. Um, of course, that's exactly what they think about UFOs. Well, they don't exist. Uh, they're just... Uh, we're able to explain them all. It's exactly what they said about ball lightning until about the late 50s or early 60s, then people started looking at ball lightning again and saying, hey, there's more to it than we thought. So, uh, I am, uh, I'm like, there was uh, a fellow in the, uh, after Humphreys decided that there was no such such thing as ball lightning, he he decided he would continue reporting on it in his newspaper column so people would write him in with ball lightning cases. And uh, he kept that subject alive, and I feel that's what I'm doing. I'm following this guy's trail or his... I'm I'm trying to walk in his shoe uh, footprints. So I uh, I think this is uh, this is a real phenomenon, and I'm very interested in it. And I've always been interested in it. I was interested before I went into the army. I didn't have any real experiences in the army with UFOs. I haven't had any real experience with UFOs. I've, I've seen one or two things that was strange and I couldn't figure out what they were and I still can't, but um, it's not It's not like a lot of people's sightings which have, have good, solid information in it. You can do things with it. When he took my report personally, he, I, I don't, I don't remember him writing anything down because I remember him listening intent the back of the plane. But I, I had he already had my report in because I'd sent in a, a report in writing, so that would be in his eighty-two to eighty-five boxes or fifty-two to nineteen eighty-five boxes. Now, did Willie Smith? Have those bo- the, those are the famous four boxes that had the bulk of the material of the 1960s. And then I was, uh, uh, he knew I was a contactee, and then the government, of course, you know, proved it in their records. But I think that's how he found me, flying on the plane from Lowry Air Force Base to Great Lakes, Illinois. And you asked me if that was before his operation. So... He didn't mention an operation, so uh, I was just a young kid. I mean, I was in and out of, uh, well, I was 33, and I was a rehire back into the government, but I was a private investigator, then a legal investigator before I was a government investigator. So by the time he got me, they already trained me in and out of country in the European theater in Africa, and then he got me at my second rehire before I went to Fort Hood for the Army S2 Division, which I didn't have any training, I didn't think, in the Army, but the Air Force, they were going to send me to Antarctica. But thank God uh, they chose to send me to Great Lakes, 
which I would have froze to death. So tell me about the 52 to 85 four boxes. Do you have those, and do, do you, can you tell me what you're talking about, his operation? Did you know 52. Willie Smith? 52 to 85, you say? Yes, those are four the boxes. Four boxes, no. Filing cabinets. 20 filing oh, cabinets. How's that? Wow. Okay. Boy, I'm just... Okay, uh, let, let me off. let me put it this way. I I am counting I am counting what uh, uh, what uh, what Rodiger has at his house plus what I have here. That's the you know at least twenty twenty five filing cabinets. My goodness! Well, the yeah, university yeah, talking about uh, four boxes. Heineck left Kufos. He said he took he took a thousand cases with him that he thought were very good. Uh, he didn't take any four boxes. He took a thousand cases with him. But Kufos has uh, sixteen filing cabinets. Rodiger's got uh, four at his house, so that's twenty right there. I've got. Uh, <coughs> I've got ten filing cabinets here, plus I got boxes and boxes of papers here. Well, we're and I've got uh, uh, I'll tell you what, four rooms in my house are filled with UFO stuff, and then I've got two, uh, 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 a, uh, a a uh, a large. Uh, storage locker uh, so the the amount of UFO uh, uh, stuff in Kufos and what I've got here is just huge I don't double it but I think Greenwood with the two of us we double what Kufos has well we're going to have to get with these universities because uh, they're putting on the digital age of cyberspace on the internet what the universities share. And apparently a lot of this is wrong information already in the digital age. So trash in, trash out, folks. So we're putting a lot of trust into uh, people like Jan Harz, Jan, well, Jan no longer, Jan Aldrich with Kufos. And I was with Kufos before I was with MUFON. And, uh, not that we have any loyalty. We're nonpartisan. It's not about politics or what's group what, because really I was talking to the people in the 70s, well, actually in the 60s at NASA. We were having meetings back then when they brought, uh, I, I guess it was APRO before it was MUFON. Is that? So this is a history, folks, of different groups, and uh, Jan's been tracking it. I was born in 1950. One December 26, 1951. So I track with the 52 to present with Jan uh, Aldrich. And uh, it was actually Dr. Bruce Maccabee in 2014 that asked me to contact Jan. And it took me, and Jan Harzan uh, with MUFON, when he looked him on my radio show, he asked me if I knew Jan Aldrich. But I don't know Jan, but I know of his work. 
because of Don Berliner and uh, Stanton Friedman and Dr. Bruce McAbee because they were all three investigators. Uh, J. Allen Hynek, of course, is the most famous. Then I would say Stanton Friedman. But Dr. Bruce McAbee is uh, world-renowned. But Jan Aldrich in the physical business is more of a, their actual ufologist that's practicing. How, will we, how are we going to describe these for our UFO association? Because you're doing hard labor scanning, which in, in the military would be beneath you because that's what I did. So a GS-5 level, and you were at a, G, you were at a GS-9 or a E-9 uh, at least, right? In the army, what would that be called? Or were you an officer? No, I was a, uh, an NCO. I was a master sergeant when I got out. And they, isn't that as high as you can go? No, no, sergeant major. Oh, okay. Well, my husband was a master, but he wasn't a sergeant because that was really, really hard. And uh, you know how you go before? It'd be good knowledge. I wish we had lots and lots of time. But maybe we'll have a few more of these monthly reports before you pass in between your scanning. But, folks, there's so much of the details that some people find interesting. And going before to get your rank even in the military is so interesting because you'd have to be reading newspapers. They ask weird questions, which I'm sure Jan knows, because he made it to the top almost. It was one more level. That was the hardest ever. (laughs) And you had to be more than career. I don't know how they make it at the E-9. Now, was that Robert O'Dean, that Terry Cassidy and Paula Harris and all those people that women in ufology talk about because they went to all the UFO, uh, International UFO Congress with, you know what I'm talking about. I never went to any of those. I've never been to a UFO conference. But you know who I'm talking about, Robert O'Dean. Was he an E-9? Yeah, he was an E-9. Okay, so but you didn't meet him because you didn't I met him, people. yes. Oh, you met him. Mm-hmm. Well, tell us about that because he's a famous name that uh, was brought up with Jan, which you know uh, the other Jan of Jan Airlines, me and Jan, <laughs> in the intelligence world with the Gateway and the Stargates the, uh, portals. Jan uh, Lesson and me do the Stargate in the uh, you know Monroe Institute, 1983, Fort Meade, and. Uh, Ingo Swan kind of stories But uh, now Jan uh, This here he didn't work in any Of that intelligence or Stargate But the IUFO Congress Has it broke up into What they call nuts and bolts Which Jan Aldrich Would be and people like Janet Lesson that would be More uh, Kathy Martin psychic uh, Therapy talk To the ET contactees they broke Them up but did you go to any of those? Because you met Bob. So we need to know if you went to any of these for the record, any of these conferences. And number two, where did you meet Robert O'Dean, E9? I met him at Roswell, at the Roswell Museum. Uh, George Fawcett's uh, materials were being transferred to the Roswell Museum. So uh, George and I were, we had been... We hadn't been friends really, but we knew each other and we corresponded. And uh, I held, he had a list of books he wanted to give to Roswell, to the museum. And so there's about 
it was about $500 worth of books that he wanted uh, that were quite rare. And so I was able to get a lot of those for him. And so I said, you know, uh, uh, I said, we, you know, uh, Lauren Gross was still writing his UFO history series at that time. And uh, Wendy Connors was doing a lot of work with photographs, uh, recording tapes, videos, and things like that. She was she was transferring them to other media, you know. From and so uh, I I asked George. I said, Hey, can we look at this stuff uh, before you send it out? And he said it's already on uh, on its way. It's in the trucks. It's being unloaded as we're talking. And I said, he said, I'll send you a letter to the head of the Roswell Museum, and asking that my three friends can have complete access to all the files. And so we went there. We each had, we each took a copier with us because this was back in. The 90s digital digital stuff hadn't been thought of yet, really. And uh, we spent about three weeks there making copies of stuff, things that Lauren wanted to put in his books, and things that I was interested in. And uh, uh, Wendy took a lot of uh, stuff that was on cassettes and took them home and put them on uh, CDs and took them back to the museum. Uh, so they had them on CDs then, which is a, the big deal then. So, uh, And she uh, changed over. I think we got her every kind of recording machine, sound recording machine that had ever been invented, including wire recorders. So she could take almost anything and put it on a CD. And that was the uh, the idea. She took a bunch of uh, faucets, recordings, and uh, converted them into CD. Uh, so that was, uh, when I was there, Dean stopped by the, uh, uh, the museum, and he told, you know, uh, I guess he was there to see uh, uh, Don Schmidt, too. Uh, Schmidt was there when, you know, uh, when I was there. And uh, he he was yeah. doing a television show, so. That's Don Schmidt. And, yeah. Uh, what, did he represent uh, Arizona? Who? Don Schmidt. No, he was just stopping by. I, he uh, he was just stopping by to see the progress of the museum. That's all. Oh. Okay. Uh, and he also had a, an appointment to do a, uh, a a TV show there. Okay, so are we talking about Donald R. Schmidt, the author? Yeah. Who else are we talking about? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Well, I, I've got to do the, you know, I've got to do the grunt work for you because you know you're way up there. 
with all these fancy people. I'm down here doing your grunt work at the oral level for you here. All right, so we're talking about Cover Up at Roswell by Donald R. Schmidt, folks. Our cover-up, yeah, cover-up, or let's see what else he wrote. Inside Area 51, uh, The Children of Roswell, UFO Crash of Roswell. Now, did he write a book at all with anybody else famous? Yeah, well, uh, Kevin Randall, of course he wrote. He and Randall (laughs) were a team for the longest time. Well, tell us about what you know about Kevin D. Randall as a reporter. Did you like him or meet him? I've met him before, yeah. You did? Well, you just got around, did you? You're about, you must be one of those gumshoe kind of historians. You get around like a spy or a spook, man. We, you know, gumshoe. Okay, <laughs> so one of, the th- one of the things we do is interview people. Okay. Tom Tuline has, and he's the, he's the head of this organization. It's the Sign Oral History Project. He has over 200 interviews with Witnesses, uh, UFO uh, investigators, people from Project Blue Book, uh, uh, just about anybody you can think of. Uh, we 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 went ahead and did James Mosley, and he would only do an interview if we agreed to get drunk with him. So <laughs> I don't know. Okay, well, that's the good old boy network when you have to get drunk with them. That sounds like a truck driver or military guy. Well, he didn't know who who we were. He said, I'm not doing a a serious interview with you guys. We're going to get drunk. (laughs) Okay, so that's what we did. We got drunk. But we got some information on him. We managed to pull some stuff out of him. (laughs) Now, some of these people want to talk, and some of these people... They don't want to talk until about the, you know, they're, they're, some of them are skeptical. I mean, we did uh, um, Frederick Durant, and uh, we had done a, uh, uh, well, I had, I had interviewed him on, uh, on the telephone, uh, um, uh, the, uh, the Project Blue Book had um, uh, God, why is it escaping my uh, Colonel Friend? I, I I interviewed Colonel Friend on the phone. He was he was very uh, very cooperative and really nice. And he implied, well, you know, when I was when I was the head of the Project Blue Book. We couldn't say very much, so that's why Heineck and I communicated by tape, and we mostly talked about prehistory. What he meant by that was 19, before 1947. And uh, uh, he, if you cut him, he bled Air Force blue. <laughs> so he wasn't going to say anything bad about the Air Force. But... In 2012, uh, he he said, you know, I do believe in UFOs, and I have no problem in saying that now, so. But when I I talked to him, uh, he was, uh, and he's a hell of a nice guy, and when I talked to him, uh, 
it was really interesting. He was a Tuskegee Airman, and so being a black man in the Air Force in the 50s and 60s, you kind of had to watch yourself. Oh, yeah. Uh, so he knew how to be, um, how to uh, navigate that kind of a uh, an environment. And uh, I read one one fellow's letter that he had gone and talked to Colonel Friend about a sighting he had. He's a fire pilot. He had a sighting, and he he was visiting out there to uh, uh, Wright Patterson Air Force Base, and he said, "I told the Colonel Friend about my sighting." And uh, he tried to convince him he was a balloon that I, I'd seen a balloon, and I said I know what a balloon looks like, and it's not like it's not anything like that. Couldn't it couldn't maneuver like that? It couldn't outspeed me. <laughs> <clears throat> and he put he put at the end of his letter, this guy is the stupidest man I've ever re- uh, met. He's talking about Colonel Friend. And uh, I can tell you just from talking to him, this this, uh, Colonel Friend was a wily old fox. And he knew how to stay out of trouble, and he knew when he could say things and when he couldn't. And, you know, he he knew how to maneuver. Like I said, he knew how to maneuver in that environment. And... uh, I'm glad that he did come out before he died and said that yes, I we were all I was always Heineck and I we already we already knew what each other were thinking. Well, what about Willie Smith in Florida? Is that the same Minot Air Force UFO case in Canada? Uh, uh, no, he doesn't have any connection with that. <clears throat> Isn't that interesting? That he, is, uh, he is. He uh, is. He's from uh, Uruguay. He's a physics professor. Well, we need to get that and clarified. He had his own. Uh, so. Uh, Wilbert Smith of Canada Radio and uh, the Wilbert Smith Papers, Dr. Vanderbilt Bush. No, no, uh, w- Wilbur Smith. Wilbert Smith. You're Papers. thinking of Wilbert Smith in Canada. Right. Now, that's not Willie Smith. In that's Florida. not Willie Smith. That's got nothing to do with Willie Smith. Willie Smith is a, a real character in ufology, but he was a uh, he was in the Canadian government and uh, he was the head of Project Magnet for a while. And uh, they used to even after Project Magnet was gone, they used to send him. Uh, um, UFO cases, and I was talking to uh, uh, Chris Rakowski, and I'm saying, "Hey, I've got, I've got, I got proof that they were still sending cases to uh, Wilbur Smith in 1957." He says, "Nah." I said, "Okay, I'm sending you one." He says, "Okay, that's interesting," because they. Uh, they had uh, put at the bottom of the UFO case that copy was going to Wilbur Smith. So, how about that? Yeah. Now he was okay. Now he uh, uh, 
that that helped start NICAP in '56, right? Uh, Major Donald Kehoe's books, "Applying Saucers," are real. But I know that Wilbert Smith read those, and that that guy in Canada, Grant Cameron, has uh, you know has been on that. But he's gone from uh, I think he's gone from nuts and bolts over to the uh, conscious science uh, cosmos side to Stargate. Because when I interviewed him on my radio show here, he uh, he wanted to talk to me more about Stargates. And I said, well, if the government will let me talk to you about them, <laughs> you're getting into some deep stuff there, son. <laughs> so uh, a lot of stuff, they, they are crossing over, even though we had the knowledge in 1983 at Fort Meade, right, with the Army and all of that, but not everybody knew that. So it's going to be interesting, uh, Canadian UFO groups from 50 to 62, uh, with Grant Cameron, but you've got uh, you don't have the Canadian cases. You've got well, you have them from all over the world. Should I have them from that? all over the world? But I spent I I went I I spent time in Canada collecting UFO information. I met Chris Rakowski. I I met uh, uh, Drew Williamson. I I uh, I, I met. Uh, uh, the the guys working on uh, Shag Harbor. I met Chris. Stiles. Well, I never met Chris Stiles. We have only communicated by telephone and uh, 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 letters. And uh, um, Don Ledger. I know I know quite a few Canadians, but I went up to uh, John Musgrave's place up there in Canada, in British Columbia, and he's out in the sticks and the boonies. And I went up there, and he he's got a huge UFO file, mostly on Canadian stuff, and he let me copy anything I wanted to when I. I haven't realized how much I copied when I was up there until I've started this scanning project. Oh, so you've already got all that. I didn't really, you know, I was just scanning. As, uh, I was just copying as fast as I could. I'm, I'm looking at this stuff, and I'm saying, I got file drawers of stuff that he let me copy. Wow. So, so I, I I got more, you know. I just I just uh, you know because I was doing 1947 Project 1947. So I was doing 47. He says, "Where do you want to copy?" I said, "47 to 50." He said, "Well, copy anything you want." So I stayed there for about two weeks, and I I guess I copied a lot more than I had thought I had. So that was. Uh, well, that's important because up there. They were saying in the magazines, and, you know, of course, after Major Kehoe's, but why in the world would they have clearance level in uh, non-existent flying saucers in uh, any type of clearance, but yet they were finding them in Smith's letters to Vannevar Bush, right? So you probably have a lot of that stuff. No, I don't think he ever wrote to Vannevar Bush. He oh, he wrote he some documents that he put top secret on. They were not oh. Canadian. They were not official Canadian documents. They weren't official. <laughs> he just put oh. top secret on them. Wow. Well, Wilbur Smith is Wilbur Smith. Let, 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 let's 
get this straight is from the very beginning he was even though he was of great help to Keo and uh I love the project magnet stuff because right. the appendix there has cases from all over Canada and from ferry uh ferry captains from uh uh control power people from meteorologists from even military that that appendix has you know a uh a cross re- uh reference to people in the transportation department in Canada all over the place i wish he had kept it up for 53 54 he just did it for 52 um so but uh yeah well, that, you know, he was a radio but operator, he was right? he was he was uh, he he was quite uh, you know he could function at his job but he had weird ideas <laughs> don't we all <laughs> well yeah but it, i mean going all the way back to the early 50s he's talking to aliens in his backyard well, maybe in some reality he was, or maybe his conscious level. Remember, the government doesn't poo-poo that. So I need you to read that gateway in 1983. I read I Smith's correspondence. I, I, what I'm telling you is the truth. Okay, I believe you. So yeah. in, at that time, finding a fact. I've got a big file on I'm Smith here. And his, his, his <laughs> you know, Keo, I, he was very helpful to Keo. He gave Keo hints and he told him uh, I mean you know he was a functioning uh person in the uh, in the in the Canadian government and one of the things he did was he got this uh uh highly luminous flare and tied it onto a a a, a big balloon and had it go over I think it was Ottawa to see how many reports of UFOs he got, and he said, "You, you know, it was uh, it was super bright. It, it it was brighter than anything at the sky in the sky at the time. I think, except maybe the moon." And uh, he got no reports. So that's an interesting experiment. But. Well- uh, I, in other things, he was he was he was not quite all there. <laughs> okay, well, we're going to have to do a whole show on all of that. You know, way too much information. Well, since we've been talking about Donald Kehoe, let's go and Stanton Friedman. Let's let's sort of put all that together with J. Allen Hynek, Edward Ruppelt, and Jacques Vallée. Now, you didn't meet Jacques Vallée, or however you want to say it. I don't know how do you yeah, say I met Jacques. Jacques I met Jacques Vallée several times. Well, let's talk about that because these are important <laughs> names. I, I am. I am. You're just the the. Uh, uh, no meetings yeah, with Jacques Vallée were uh, were really very interesting. But you are firsthand information for our UFO Association. But folks, this is one of the director and founders based on his recommendation. Dr. Bruce McAbee was having health issues, and we don't discuss those. But uh, during the times with uh, 
History Channel and uh, what are they, Prometheus Entertainment and all that, Richard Dolan and Dr. Bruce McAfee, a lot of these people. But we're talking about people really before History Channel, and Stan Friedman helped me establish this radio station. He was the first one to come on for me, that MUFON, Dr. Uh, uh, oh, the director now of MUFON, Campbell, came on by Stan Friedman. No, Campbell just uh, – did he come on? Well, anyway, but these are people before Stanton would be Donald Kehoe, Edward Rupelt, but Jacques Vallée. Now, people, if you've seen Close Encounters of the Third Kind, you've heard mention of everybody but maybe Stanton. But Jan was out there doing all this stuff, and, uh, but Jan wasn't in the, in the show. But have you been referred to at all in Blue Book? Because that's where you came into my life when – you said they were doing – I didn't even know it. I think you and Brian – you and Barry informed me about Project Blue Book on History Channel. I didn't even know about it or something. But tell us about these people. You met Jacques Vallée, and we're, we're dropping the name of Rupelt and Kehoe, so we need to sort of – Well, uh, yeah, well, I never met Kehoe. Uh, I went to NICAP uh, uh, at least 12 times, and I never met Keo. He was never there when I was there. And Rupert so, died in 60, so I know you didn't meet him because you were still a little boy. He, well, he I didn't meet Rupert, no, and I didn't meet uh, 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 Keo. Uh, um, yeah, he died in 88. So, yeah, I didn't meet him, but that that was only because mo- he spent most of his time at home, or he had an office out in Luray, Virginia, and he would come in there maybe once or twice a month, and uh, he ran it as a as an absentee thing, and that that caused a lot of problems. Well, we all do not to say anything about Keogh because he kept the thing alive. He spent all his money on NICAP. He, he uh, his family was uh, he really uh, sacrificed a lot about his family for the uh, for NICAP because he put a lot well, of his own money into it. And of course, here's ballet and. Uh, uh, Heineck saying, well, he's a money bank, and he's just in it for the money, and any money he ever got from UFOs, he put right back in a NICAP. He was... Well, why did he, they not put that out there with NICAP? Why, why didn't they put it out there? Because they don't didn't want to listen, and they didn't want to learn. Wow. It, because it's more fun to be ignorant. Well, and that's part of history with uh, the History Channel, and and not to put down Hollywood, but they, I mean, this sort of triggered you because, you know, everybody knows that, and we talked about that. Even you and I mentioned it was odd that Richard Dolan, the character uh, that played in uh, played Jay Allen Hyatt, looked like Richard Dolan. That was just a coincidence, folks. But you know, a lot of people now are getting a lot of the press and the television. Credit and people are going to go down in this reality in the next twenty years, thinking they're the people that made all this happen. But it was it goes way back before we were here. There were Edward Rupelts and Donald Kehoe's and Stanton Friedman, you know, J. Allen Hynek and Jacques Vallee. And no, we uh, did we did it, uh, 
Well, Tom interviewed uh, Jack Black. Uh, Lieutenant. Uh, uh, God, I can't think of his name right. Anyways, Rupelt's uh, Olson, Lieutenant Olson, who was in charge of Project Blue Book for part of '53, and uh, he did I- I- interview Airman Max Futch, who was uh, Rupelt's main clerk. And uh, I got a lot of stuff that uh, Rupelt had written on their Max file. So, you know, he wanted him to file his stuff. Um, well, do you have authors like Don Schmidt or Kevin Randall Reporter? or Jacques Vallée was a computer scientist, but we haven't discussed him yet. But a lot of these old people were in the Air Force or military folks, and they, you know, J. Allen Hynek got the contract from the Air Force till what, 83? But, uh, you know, we got to pull all this together because – the UFO Association, uh, all I can commit to is helping Jan with uh, various projects that he's involved in, but we're trying to get it on oral history so you guys can at least find us on the Internet while the people are going to have the thumb drives and the, their own files. But we're getting into blockchain, and we don't know how we're going to be able to fund the big database for all this. We're we're trying to figure all that out, folks. So if you got any philanthropists in the UFOs, ufology, alienology, cryptozoology, Fortean, uh, what do we call, you know, paranormal. But we're trying to pull it all together because uh, it's about indexing now and hashtags and blockchain history and how we're going to pay for all the future databases. So right now, Jan's still dealing with all these old guys before him. And all the collections, you know, for all of these. So, are you including authors and reporters, or no? Just uh, yeah, we we talked to we talked to all kinds. Of, we talked to two hundred people. Well, I didn't. Tom does. Tom has interviews with two hundred people. Well, tell us who Tom so, is. So, so Tom Tom Tulina, and he's in Minnesota, and um, he's part of the UFO history group, and um. Uh, he was he had, what he told me was that he had been he had worked for Greer and uh, uh, he was in my area and he he got my number and he called me up and he said uh, can we meet to talk about UFOs so I didn't know who he was and then he told me right off well I've been working for uh, Dr. Greer, and I says, oh, my God, tell me it isn't. So I said, "Why?" I'm thinking to myself, why did I come out and meet this guy? You know, oh, and we God. talked We talked for about four hours, and uh, he told me, he says, he said, right from there I was hooked. I knew I had to do something important in ufology. <laughs> and... Uh, I, I said, well, I, you know, I'm, I'm glad, I, I'm happy to hear that, but you know, I probably would have come to that by yourself sooner or later. So then, what we used to do is we, we, we find people. We'd ask them if they would interview with us. Well, some people wouldn't, like uh, uh, Janae, the guy that wrote the 1952. 
Life Magazine article, Have We Visitors from Outer Space? He wouldn't interview with us. So that was a that was a interview we didn't we didn't get and Major Dewey Fournay he kept putting us off and putting us off until he died so we didn't get to interview him either but we got to be, wow. interview uh, Bill Pitts which is who was a good friend of Fournay uh, so we, we, sometimes we were able to work around that uh, Tom interviewed Max Pooch who had been uh, uh, Rupel's clerk. And like I said, he interviewed Olson. So we were able to, to, to interview a lot of people that... And we interviewed a lot of UFO witnesses, too. So uh, that's how we found out about the Minot case. Because this guy had written into Kufos, and he said I was... The, the, his name was Runyon, he was a captain, and he had been... Uh, uh, the pilot when the uh, UFO incident happened, and uh, I think I've told this before. You know, it, he we he had a we looked up the case in Blue Book. Now there's lots of information in Blue Book, but he had more information than was in Blue Book, and I'm kind of wondering what the heck is what the is this, you know, it, it, it was such a nice day, I'm kind of, my mind's kind of wandering, you know, and he's telling us all this amazing stuff, and I'm saying, how are we ever going to prove this? And do, is there any other witnesses? And he asked, we asked him, well, who, who was on the crew? Who were the other people on the crew? I think he knew one name. And then he went into his filing cabinet, and he had a picture from the time he was at Minot. And everybody was standing out in front of the B-52 at uh, Parade Rest, and you could read all the names on the uniforms. And so then we just went through the last names, and then he knew the first names and everybody's name just because that triggered his memory. And we were able to get in touch with everybody that was alive and interview them. And that was just an amazing thing Tom did, most of the interviewing. And uh, I did the first one, and I said, this is such an amazing case. It is it is beyond anything that I had heard of till that time. And so uh, that's where the Minot case came from. Uh and it should have been out earlier, and I think it would have uh, destroyed the Condon report if it got out at the time or shortly afterwards. In fact, somebody had sent NICAP a uh, a copy of, or had sent them a, a, a summary of the Minot case uh, with the radar photographs. And... Uh, Keo and Lore had been let go at that time, and Stuart Nixon didn't have enough imagination to figure out what that letter said. And so it just languished there until uh, until uh, we went out and talked to Captain Runyon, and that was just it was just fantastic. And when then it, then it was on ABC television. 
ABC didn't believe that. That's what the guy told me. I, I, I was talking to a guy from ABC when they were doing their Peter Jennings special. He said the first, the first mission of this special said we didn't want to do a UFO thing. We wanted to do something about life from other planets, but the UFO thing just took over the program. What happened to John? And then he said, uh, he says uh, I'm talking to him, and uh, he kept calling me up, and we talked about the CIA, and he says, well, I don't think the CIA is. Uh, we don't we don't find that the CIA is, is is involved to the to the extent that a lot of people think it was. <laughs> and uh, I said, well, yeah, well, I you know anything that that I tell you, I hope you check it. And he said, the only reason I keep calling you is because we do check, and everything <laughs> you said is turned out true. Oh, good for you, Jan. Uh, I was getting calls from. Uh, uh, three producers on that at one time one would call me and then an hour later another guy called me and then this woman would call me and as far as the Minot case went they went and reinvestigated everything we did like I said the thing was don't embarrass Peter Jennings so they went and reinvestigated the whole case again from scratch yeah, and then Peter Jennings had he 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 used I think it was five minutes. It may have been less. He used five minutes on his newscast one night with this case, and then it was uh, about a fourth of the Peter Jennings special on UFOs. <coughs> they did enough research on UFOs that they could have had. Uh, ten, ten programs. It's unfortunate they didn't do it any do any more on it. My husband mentioned Peter Jennings and one other guy coming out in the field while he was working for uh, Schwarzkopf and uh, Colin Powell, right? Colin Powell, you worked over there during that same time frame. So you, uh, I was eighty ninety three in in uh, in and out. Of, government uh, uniform, but 67, May 67, and I was flown to Washington May 87, and out of country and back in uh, several times, but uh, so let's get people the years. Now, we were discussing you were a ufologist before the Army, so, uh, and you had 50 years of service in uniform and out with the U.S. Postal Service, and you met Jacques Vallée when, so let's get your years. And then tell me uh, if you can remember. I met him in in '95, and I met him up here in Connecticut. And, uh, well, uh, none of it was satisfactory. Bringing, well, he was the one bringing in a lot of the, uh, you know, they say CIA, Army, whatever. S two, it doesn't matter. Like no, no, that me. wasn't the reason. Well, Jacques Vallée's had a lot of good stuff. I mean, he 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 liked. Yeah, sure, world. sure. I, I, I no nobody denies that. I was I was on uh, my Project Forty Seven trip across the country. I was on my about fifth or sixth leg, I think it was, and uh, I had been in Montana, and my next stop was Boise, Idaho. Now I'd been to uh, the. Uh, 
University of Idaho at Moscow. Wow. Um, Idaho twice. <laughs> Moscow, Idaho? <laughs> yes, that's where the University of uh, Idaho is. And that's, <laughs> uh, that's, that's just a treasure trove of UFO information there as far as newspapers go. Well, that's a good thing to know. Right? So I was going to uh, Boise, Idaho, and I was going to try to talk to people in Boise, and I got this call from Ed Stewart out in the West Coast. He said, oh, Valet, he's agreed to open his files if you come and see him. I'm saying, Ed, I don't want to do this. I, I'm going to Boise. It's It's one of the most important places on my... on my... Uh, trip here I, I've got to go there he says you got to you got to do it he says uh, I already talked to Barry Greenwood and he's going to open up his stuff for for valet to look at it you can get open up your stuff and I says oh, well okay so I said I'm not going to Boise but it's on your head and he says, "I'll beat the heck out of you if I if this is a if this is useless." And uh, so uh, we uh, we met with uh, Dr. Beckman and Ed and I and valet and valet asked me what I'm doing and I said I'm going through newspapers you know kind of like Amy Michel did in France he knew what that was like and he says well what are you going to do with this information afterwards I said well you can filter it in a number of different ways and filter it more than once different ways and he Ed Ed Stewart had been in a, in uh, Brazil, been born in Brazil, as a matter of fact, and he spoke uh, Portuguese just like Brazilians do. So you know all the he understood all the dialects and stuff like that. And so uh, he got talking to Ed about well, I got a whole bunch of Portuguese publications I'll send them out to you and he left and Beckman stayed there and talked to us for a while and uh, what is it uh, uh, mind control and this other stuff and I'm not interested in any of that stuff <laughs> oh come on you know that's my problem <laughs> So I'm saying this is a completely useless meeting. I could have been in Boise right now in the Historical Society, the newspaper, and a half a dozen other places I wanted to visit and people I wanted to talk to. And uh, here I am. I got a, a, I had a lunch with these guys and the absolute, what I got out of it is absolutely zero. Oh, come on. Are you talking about so, No, no, I got zero out of it. Ed got a few publications that were contemporary Brazilian UFO stuff, and it was really, it, it was god-awful. Well, uh, I can see why Valet wanted to get rid of them. 
Yeah, but Jacques Vallée. There was no re no. There was no reason to meet with him. We the, there was no information that was exchanged that was any good. There were no ideas that were planted that were was any good. It was just a he useless meeting. And then the well, next time I met with him, it was another useless meeting. Now, are we talking about the same Jacques Vallée that was in the movies with Steven Spielberg? <laughs> I, I uh, you know. Really? I sent him but, a copy of my book afterwards on the 47 flap. So I, we haven't communicated at all. But you have the problem with the neuro or the conscious level of the many worlds. Of the oh, universe. I don't care about somebody saying that they can control your mind. Get out. Okay. And well, that, 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 that is Beckman's idea. Beckman, I think, was had crossed over into silliness at that time. Now, you remember <coughs> 1983, we had the assessment, right? And you know we had Star Wars with Reagan. That's all my era. It's your era. So you know if I was working with UFOs and Hynek, we had the other side of that. That's the part he wanted me involved in to tell the story. Uh, like in, at this time, Hynek he and Ballet had, had uh, separated. They'd gone their own yeah. ways. I know, but you've got to listen to me because I wouldn't steer you wrong with what my experience is. In 1983 at Fort Meade, our assessment was that Monroe Institute had a valid point. You know, the radio guy with the radio airwaves. And this wasn't MK Ultra in Canada. It wasn't, you know, throwing people out of windows. So, but you got to get that the, all the, you know, intelligence agencies knew already that we were behind on that from Sputnik and Russia. And the reason we were all in, interested in the neuro levels with the consciousness is what we're doing now. And we had already seen in the medical field, which I hated, like you hate to go, you're a nuts and bolts person, so you hate dealing with the mind. Well, I came into this life with special gifts and able to twirl fire batons and baton, twirl batons and knives and machetes, and the government recruited me in 67. I didn't know that was the intelligence agency out of Washington, D.C., or NASA, or that NASA was the old CIA. They controlled NASA back then. If you study the history, I didn't know any of that. So it wasn't until 80 to 83, and I went to Rochester, New York, and I saw the UFO, or the big bright light, and then two red things shoot out of it. Now, this was before we had uh, drones, but we... I was told we didn't have that technology inside uniform, but that's what I was sent after. And Jay Allen Hynek knew he'd read my case files in the intelligence agency. So uh, I'm trying to put all this together with you, Jan, because we were serving. And the Army, you were in the Army in 83. Yeah, but I'm a field artillery guy. I, know, I mean, I was an intelligence know. sergeant, but my... My MOS is is meteorology. I am yeah, not a, an intelligence guy. guy. I learned to do that. Well, so did my husband. I he learned to do personnel. I I learned to do safety. I they, did. Too. They they put you where you want to, and then you have to you you have to sink or swim. So 
Well, I did the same thing. I was not an intelligence person. I was was, an intelligence sergeant in the... uh, I was was security and intelligence because they told me that's, uh, you know... Well, they told we need me. A, we need an intelligence sergeant here, so you're it. Well, they told me if anybody asked me what I did, I worked for the State Department. Mm-hmm. I couldn't even tell people who I worked for, in uniform or out. I tried to tell them when I was walking around Hawaii and Navy, and Air Force got me in trouble. I didn't know I was being watched all the time by intelligence officers and stuff. Man, you couldn't say shit in, an, in or out of uniform with what I did, which I didn't understand. Because nobody trained me. I basically, <laughs> I had to go on the job and on the job training, and everybody was under investigation. So I'd become the security intel officer to get their badges or ComNav base or OpNav or SyncPak fleet. Even the guys that were coming on board, I was the highest person with the highest clearance level at one time uh, in Hawaii. That was blo- that was blowing my mind. The guy that was going to be in charge of the whole Hawaii island had to go through me to get his clearance. He had a lot to say about that, too. <laughs> so, you know, it's crazy what they do to people at the enlisted level, and they just throw us into jobs and tell us to do it. But, see, you can you can help me with that because we've got to put this inside CUFOs and all these files because they're not going to make sense if you follow chain of command only or if you think you're looking for uh, say Project Stargate or Project Gateway or Project Magnet or Project Pegasus, and you know people are going to start looking for that because they believe what they see in television. And you know, if you go into intelligence files, you're pretty much FOIA. Why don't you explain that? Because even Freedom of Information Act, you've got to pretty much already know the question as to the key code word hashtag today. You know, Kennedy, it doesn't mean you're going to find anything, but UFO. But CIA was nice enough to put under UFO files in FBI for a while, FBI files. Did you go grab those while they were open source, the FBI and CIA files? Yeah, I got files that uh, uh, other people don't even know about. It's Look, the FBI, and they destroyed a lot of files, too. Uh, yeah, the, the FBI headquarters files are up on the internet right now. You can look at those things. And the ones the CIA and a lot of them in the yeah, CIA. Yeah, the CIA library. stuff is up there too. But there's there's also other files that they had to FOIA to get uh, get them out of there. Like there's um, a 1940. 49 Navy document that tells you a lot about what happened in 1948, including the the uh, estimate of the situation that everybody is always wild about. And you can't talk to UFO people in a in a uh, in a common sense uh, area with it. They're so. Uh, so sure they already know all the information so well, they, they we do not have we do not have the estimate of the situation but this navy document that the uh, CIA happened to have uh that Brad Sparks got uh talks about the conclusions and some of the cases it's an evaluation by the 
ordnance uh, bureau in the in the Navy. So that gives you clues about what the heck was going on with the with the uh, estimate of the situation. And like I told you before at the beginning when we started talking, by having this filing system. It keeps things that. fall thing, things fall into the same date and you can see relationships that you can't see if you just got a bunch of files that haven't been well, filed or, or even if you're looking at a lot of a lot of uh file folders with with you've got to open everything up and look at it and that's that's what this helps you do so there's a lot of a lot of things that that happened at the uh, oh I'll tell you one uh, uh, Larry Fawcett who was a police officer here he left the force and he decided he was going to do UFOs and he and Greenwood were they they worked together on uh, on a cause newsletter so. Larry Fawcett found yeah, this guy was... down in Florida, and he was a uh, he was uh, he had been on the uh, USS Philippine Sea, and uh, he had a uh, he had some documents. He said, "I'm not supposed to have these documents. I I kept them. They were copies." And I said, "Hmm," and so. He said, yeah, in 1952, I was in Korea on the USS Philippine Sea. I was in the uh, CIC. I was one of the, uh, they didn't call them ship leaders, but that's what essentially what he was. So he was, uh, they had a, they had a UFO case and he was there when it happened. And this is when the Navy and uh, during the Korean War decided to take serious what these UFO reports were were coming to it because um, they had met with a guy named Bush who was the Air Force. Um, well, one of his jobs was to do radar stuff, and he was a radar expert. But his main job was just to uh, uh, he he did a lot of uh, staff planning and stuff, and he was. Uh, with the uh, Air Technical Intelligence Liaison Office over there. And he was the point of contact for all radar UFO cases that came up. And when he, uh, at staff meetings, he would, he would make notes about all the UFO cases that came up at these meetings. And, uh, So they had had 50-51, they had had radar cases, but they'd never have a a visual and a radar case together, the Navy had. So he, uh, the Navy more or less said, you know, we don't think there's anything to UFO cases like this. And then the Philippine Sea case was... They had a radar and a visual sighting of the same thing. 
Now, that got the Navy thinking that there's something to this after all. At this time, Bush had, like I said, he'd been keeping notes on all these radar cases that the Navy had and others, and he put them together in a big intelligence report. It's on my website. You can go read it if you want. It's got, and he, he put it so you could, each page is a different case. So, like he said, you can here. Here's here's the here's my radar report, and you can file these cases separately by pulling out the pages. He did the same thing for visual UFO stuff, but we don't have well, that. Well, he wrote a book with Larry. He wrote uh, the book Clear Intent, but they redid it, didn't they, with Barry Greenwood? No, he wrote Clear the book intent. with Greenwood. Clear Intent. Yeah. They wrote they wrote the book together. And then that's in paperback, folks. And then the UFO cover-up, uh, what the government won't say. Is yeah, the UFO cover-up is just the second printing. They just changed the title on it. Well, Barry J. Greenwood, who we're talking about with Lawrence Foster, F-O-S-T-E-R, and they're, uh, they're personal friends of uh, Jan, so maybe he'll bring them on. No, Barry, uh, I'm sorry, Larry has passed away a long time ago. Okay. Yes. But he yes, was still uh, alive when I was talking to him. So he's ta- he's talking to this he's talking nah. to this he's talking to this Navy commander, and uh, this guy tells Larry he says, uh, "Well, I've got these documents, and uh, I don't know what to do with them." And I and I I said, "Could you could you get him to read you some of the uh, some of the, like the titles of the." document so it did I said I think I have these Heineck had these in his files these things are declassified he said you don't have to worry about it so he said okay but I still don't want my name I have his name I checked his uh, background everything he said about his background is actually all the classes he went to you can you can look up any any uh, Navy officer uh, military officer that's um career guy yeah you can look up there uh who they are what schools they've been to and everything if you know well, how you to do it my books are crazy or you you don't even care about my books right you know i'm just a journalist <laughs> you don't even you don't care about my old my woo-woo books huh? <laughs> what book is this knowing cosmology Ascension Age 2012 and Beyond, Spirituality, Aliens and UFOs, Uplifting the Soul. <laughs> I don't even talk about my books, Jan. They were just most of my articles I wrote for UFO Digest. They recruited me out of Canada. When I'd go, my, own, my own country, would, would when I'd go into Canada and they'd tear my stuff apart, and then the, my own government would tear my stuff and keep my – I was like, guys, y'all are the ones – Put me in and out of country, you know. Come on, but they went through everything. So my stuff is—they wouldn't let me. Uh, reporters talk about me. My poor little Grant, my poor little uh, daughter's husband went to a host cow overnight at Fort Hood for trying to find out about me. And he was in the army in uniform with his lieutenant. They—they they locked him up just for trying to find out my name in the computer. <laughs> So oh, well. nobody was able to find out who I was, and I don't know that level. I do know that the German, when I was working with J. Allen Hynek, came and told me 
that for now uh, they had cleared me at Q because of that Edward Ames or whatever Dames or Ames coming in. Aldridge Ames. Yeah, I think that's his name, but uh, something to do with clearance levels. But I was already cleared in '67 through NASA and uh, Washington D.C. And then they cleared me again, Washington D.C. as a rehire at the national uh, intelligence level, right? May 10th, 1987, I had to do another retina scan, polygraph, psychologist, uh, psychiatrist. And the psychiatrist asked me uh, about being a Latter-day Saint because, you know, we're good we're good spooks in and out of country. And then also if, uh, if I had any trouble with them buying my contract, the intelligence community, I said, I don't care. So... Why should I care? You know, they were going to buy my Navy contract, which I guess they did. But they said I'd never be out of service to my country. But I guess you have to die. I don't know. I don't know whether to believe them or not. They tell you weird stuff during those meetings (laughs) in Washington. But as far as I know, they retired me with 50 years, uh, December 26, 2017. Now, let me ask you this. You were in the Army long enough. Back in the day, I came in the second uh, as a rehire 4 by 10 which I know you know that what that means. But when they put me back through as a rehire, and uh, they told me that uh, since I came in on a leap year, I signed the paper on uh, 429.85 that they extended my – contract for eight years times four was 32 years do you believe that you think legally they can do that because i, I don't know i don't i don't i don't understand you you're i i don't I'm understand your background because you keep telling me you're half the time you were civilian and half the time you were in the military and not i i can't tell you what. i was all right well there's so i can't tell you what, what what you know yeah, well, that's what I don't understand. The military uh, and the civilian. If I was OPM, if you're, if you're an enlisted guy, the the usually what you could do is is you can re up for six years, but then you you know yeah. you can re up again and then you can re up again. So that's maybe what people do. I don't know. Well, what they did was said because the second time was a trick. They rehired me on uh, leap year. The, see, the, that's what screwed my head up, is they said they were eight-year contracts per year. I just know what they told me. So I had a 32-year contract as a rehire. That was in uniform. But they just wanted me to train Joint Chiefs of Staff, join at a Pentagon, right? Army, Navy, Air Force, Marine, you wear all the uniforms. Sea Mariner program. It's real easy to track. It's so they don't have to give you any benefits. They put you in as training only, but they want you to train, you know. So that's where J. Allen Hynek comes in, right? Because he was at the Air Force, but he moved to He was just a consultant. He was just a... a well, that's uh, why I don't get why... He, he, why was, he was a consultant, and he, was, he wasn't in charge of anything. No, but and and the first uh, at first he didn't know how to game the system, but as he got as he as he stayed in longer, he gamed the system and he was able to to get um, get the whole project blue book stuff filed so he could look through every page of it. 
I know, but he when he did. When did he have that operation before he died? You know him from Willie Smith here in Florida. So uh, Willie Smith. Now we didn't. We should have covered that. We went from Wilbert Smith to. Willie I, Smith I, I, I'm not sure where he had the uh, operation. I, just, I think it's Scott 88. Scott. I think when it's 88. I don't. I, I'm not sure. I'm not no, sure. I, I didn't. I didn't. Like I said, I never had any dealings with him. I dealt okay, with. I, I dealt with Rodiger. I dealt with. Uh, Timmerman, I dealt with Eberhardt. I didn't deal with him. But you did Berliner, so that's the common name, and Maccabee. Now, how do you know Bruce? Because Bruce is the one that... Are you kidding me? I don't know Maccabee, no. You don't know Dr. Bruce Maccabee? I know who he is. I don't know him. I don't know him. I never met him. Well, I met him. I met him 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 at Poo Force stuff. He used to play the... uh, he would, he would he would play uh, uh, he would he would play music for us at that at the you know when they'd have a party or something. Yeah, yeah, that's so nice. I, I never talked to him. I talked to guys like Carlson and Dick Hall. And uh, I, I, we don't get people mixed up with you and me. We uh, folks. We'll just be clear because me and him are tired. Two hours is a long time. But I, I'm not mixed up at all. I know I know the people I met and stuff like that. All right. I and I never that. met I Bruce McAbee. I mean, we've talked to you know just, but it's just a nodding my acquaintance. Bad. Yeah, okay, nodding acquaintance. I I don't know. So I apologize. Yeah. So it's not. I don't. Uh, his his wife is on. It was on. She can't stay on Facebook because they keep throwing her off. They don't like her politics. Well, all of us in journalism are supposed to be nonpartisan, but she's not a journalist, so she's got a right to her own opinion. Everybody does. Yeah, but they keep throwing her off. So that's, uh, you know, she's a Facebook friend. Let's put it that way. All right. Well, she's a Jan, and I was a Jan, and you know I love you, and I can't explain it. So that's why I put you in the J. Allen, because you're with Kufos, and the card he gave me, I could swear it had kufos because I remember him telling me to send in my report, which I did. Well, so yeah, but I, like I said, I never knew him. Oh. It's just like Keo. I I used to go to NICAP. I went to NICAP 12 times. I, I do volunteer work for him. I I know Dick uh, Dick Hall. I know Diana Sinclair Knopp. I knew... Uh, Isabel Davis, I knew Gordon Lohr, uh, and Don Berliner. I know all the people that work there. I never met Keogh. Yeah, and you know some of the MUFON people that have been on this radio show, too. Uh, That lady, um, darn it, I forgot her name. She's a real sweet lady with MUFON, and she knows your name. And uh, Well, anyway, folks, we're we're getting old, and and I apologize. I don't mean we're mixed up, but... I'm tired, and I know you are, uh, but can we do this again on our, at least monthly? I know it's hard weekly, but do you tell me what you want to do, Jan, because I'm going to build You want to do another show? We, we could do one, sure. Okay. Well, thank you, but I don't know if you want to go two hours, but yeah. You yeah, sure. What's with, no, no, I'm, there's nothing wrong with this. Okay. Fridays, uh, every Friday or no, because Jan, uh, Janet Lesson wants to do some with us, but. 
she don't like what you and I are archivists and historians and ufologists do. Well, she yeah. wants to see, I mean, we collect, get the facts. She wants to talk to all the ET contactee and Kathy Martin, Denise Stoner, and, you know, you know that side of the story. So I don't care, but you tell me, is Friday's good? Is because is you, is, you know. Fridays yes are no? good. That, Fridays are okay. All right. How about next Friday? Are you want to do a Saturday or Sunday? Or I mean, I just want to I want to keep you involved because UAP Associates, folks, is going to grow by people. They got rid of well Tom DeLong. I don't know if he's been silenced or not on the but that Stargate uh, Star Academy of the Stars. Uh, and you know, I don't know. Richard Dolan is a historian, but his name's out there because he's done a lot with History Channel. NIUFO Congress, and uh, he's been over here at Arkansas, and, you know, there's a Dolores Cannon level and the rock, the truth and the ascension age level. There's all levels in the brain side. So what do you – you're not into all that. Jacques Vallée stuff, folks, parallel It's worlds. not Jacques Vallée. No, he's got a, he's got a thing that, that there's a control mechanism in UFOs that are uh, – Listen, I don't, I, I don't want to uh, say what his theory is. He okay. could say what his theory is. I just do not. From okay. from what he, what he had to say and what Beckman had to say, I, I don't have any use for it. All right. Well, he didn't really talk about his theory. I the only thing I have to say about Jacques Vallée is when we both times we met, it was to me unsatisfactorily because we didn't. We couldn't work out any kind of cooperation or anything like that. Now, there's other people that think, that, you know, that uh, uh, Brad astronomer. Sparks, Brad Sparks, and uh, uh, Larry Hatch, and and uh, um, uh, Lauren Gross, uh, they're all very. They were all very friendly with Jacques Vallée. Well, we're going to have to celebrate parallel worlds because that's where we're going in quantum physics, in consciousness and mindfulness. I'll I'll deal with it, but uh, Jan is the nuts and bolts guy. But uh, uh, you, uh, you keep saying that, and you're wrong. Okay. Well, good. Thank you. Uh, I'll tell Jan, uh, Janet Lesson, that I, I, but, I but, think but, I but, but I, I, I am not going off on kind of tangents. Uh, you know, I, uh, Dick Hall looked at a lot of uh, abductees, and I met a lot. I met a, a number of them, and I talked to them. And actually, we've we've interviewed a couple of them. So oh, you're open-minded, and I know you are because. Uh, and uh, at here. the at the end of the day, you can get uh-huh. uh, you can get a. I'm not scanning any abductees <laughs> stuff here. I'm not because some of it's as big as big as two Chicago phone books, but it says nothing in the end. You get nothing out of it. You can read it. You can read through all these uh, investigations and hypnotists and all this other stuff, and at the end you get nothing. Okay. There is no the 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 UFO people even underneath the whole business 
They don't communicate anything. And it's I've talked to I've talked to uh, abductees, and I said everything they tell you, if they tell you anything, because some people re- remember getting told things. I said everything they tell you is a lie. Oh wow! You and so, Tommy so, and they agree with me. Yeah, they're, we, they they lie to us. You're right. Okay. Yeah. So now, what does that get you? Now, the reason I don't I don't scan this, I've already talked to this with Rodiger, and we've decided not to do this. There's too much personal information in abductees' files when they get it. They try to go all the way back to their when they were a little girl, and what's uh, when's yeah, the, the first author. time you uh, wet your pants uh, in uh, in in school? You know, when you it's were a little girl. They're doing the healing process as part of No, therapy. no, no. They're doing this. Uh, they think they can find <laughs> something in their background. That's what it is. Yeah, and DNA. I'm saying this is not healing. This is bullshit. This is, I'm sorry, <laughs> but that's the way it is. Uh-huh. Uh, well, and, uh, you I, know, when 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 abductees no start, spout, start spouting anti-Semitism, which Dick Hall, okay. had, to, Dick Hall had to back off for a while, he said... Listen, if you guys are going to say, he said, the space people don't care about Jewish people. <laughs> they are not well, anti-Semitic. Let me explain something really quick, Jan, for the no, record. No, you, uh, you, you're going to, if you're going to, if you're going to somehow tell me that, <laughs> that somebody comes from a, uh, from out there and, <laughs> and they already hate the Jews, I am going to tell you, you are crazy. No, I wasn't going to tell you that. No, I was going to tell you that there's two trains of thought of the Kabbalah as whether it's really the tree of life or the uh, 12 12 groups or 12 tribes of Israel or the Anunnaki, those who came from the sky. So you know that's the big war now in the uh, world is – uh, supposedly that's why they're ruining all those statues and stuff in Iraq is because uh, that's supposed to be intelligent generated. I'm just saying the hearsay. I'm not saying I believe it. That's why they call me and you nuts and folks bolts because we only get the facts. It's, we're more scientific logic. But, you know, they want the, all the whole story. In other words, the essence of quantum physics. So that's what they're comparing with the dimensions and the uh, – it's the mini world series, parallel worlds. So it goes with all that. But no, I'm not. You know, we're not. There's all kind of colors of people on the planet and off planet. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, okay. I don't know how to document that, but that you've got to admit though in ufology. Will you at least let me do do uh, do the alienology part for us because. You can't bring UAP. I'm trying to be UAP associates, but I've got all these people want to fight with each other, and and I've got to be nonpartisan as a journalist. <laughs> and yeah. Separating. You know, there's always two sides in the truth. Is what people told me. But you tell me how we're going to do this, Jan. You know what I'm saying. I agree with you. There's. You're right about the Semitism stuff or anti. I yeah, yeah. I, I mean, you know, you. Uh, You're right. There, there is right. not. I, there's not anybody that thinks that. Uh, uh, 
No, I, I'm uh, as far as a, ancient aliens go and all that other stuff, I, I you have, go. I have. I, <coughs> well, I have. To there, there's it. there's oh. several people in the group that that know most uh, more ancient history than I do, and I I I love ancient history. I do. And and. The uh, these these people are pre UFO that are talking about the Anunnaki or whatever the freak they are. Uh, uh, this this goes back prior to UFOs. Let me tell you, this is a group up in in uh, New York City that used to. Uh, everybody thinks that the 10,000 BC the movie was uh, somehow uh, that's. That that that's the way uh, the way things were, and that's that's a that's a craziest thing. It's a movie. It's Hollywood spin, folks. <laughs> yeah, it's Hollywood spin, and uh, <laughs> well, we'll have but, to allow for the uh, Comic Cons and the UFO Cons and the X Cons and the I don't know what all we've got. I got Cosmos Expo and. You know, but we're going to do clubs and labs and all that. But Ace Folk Life is folk life and folklore and culture. You know, the Smithsonian, when I was doing Appalachia, you know, we were taking people, but they wouldn't let me film them. Now I'm watching a guy that does uh, White Underbelly on uh, YouTube, and he was able to get videos of Appalachias, you know. But he's also got some KKK and some prostitutes and people inbred. I, I don't know how he did it. But he helps a lot of people on the street, street people too. I'd have forgot his name. He's a photographer, but you'll have to catch him. He's in Patreon. Well, folks, uh, Jan's agreed to come back. Now I've got him with my UAP associates, but I'm not letting just anybody in there because I've got too many people fighting in all my social media groups as it is. I can't even get good moderators anymore. They sell me out. You know, Jan on our one of our UFO groups, uh, they, one girl came in under a false name, and people believed who she was and came in and convinced friends, even Ken Johnston. But Ken told on her, and she turned out not to be the real lady. That wasn't her real name. She called me crazy on her own radio show. You were on. And I was like, I'm not the crazy one. I'm the one telling the truth. You know, I've got the credentials. Her name was Chant Hannah. That's not even her real name. You've been on her show, that UFO Sunday report. But she started all kind of civil war inside MUFON and, uh, oh, my God, all kind of KGRA. And well, that's, you know, uh, that, that's that's the way of this this subject. It's, it's full of people that would rather, uh, uh, they don't want to cooperate together. No, they're uh, not even using real names, and Facebook's letting them get away with it. So, you know. Well, yeah, there's there, well, there's so many there's so many uh, pseudonyms on Facebook. It's unbelievable. Yep. Well, I hope that we can be real, folks. And Jan Aldrich, as far as I can see, I haven't done a Lexus Nexus on him, but I didn't see a reason to. So uh, you know, I can do a deep dive on him, but still no need. He'll tell me whatever I need to know. <laughs> So Jan's not about hiding behind any false names. You were born with that name, and I was born with Teresa Jet Jeanette Thurman. That's my legal born birth certificate, American. Now you are American, right? You have a birth certificate that says Jan Aldrich or Jan something. What's your yeah, middle yeah, name? Yeah, 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 I do. You have a middle name? Yeah. 
did you already tell us? <laughs> so, uh, you, you want to share that? Lucian. Yeah. Some people so, don't have a middle name. Well, what was your My first sister name? doesn't. Was it Gustav or something like that? I forgot. I'll go back what? and find it. Your first name. Jan. That is your first name? Yeah, it's a variant of John. Okay. Well, Europeans are uh, Europeans. Half the people in Europe are named Jan, or they're not named if they're not named Juan or Eon <laughs> or a, a half a dozen other uh, variants. It's well, John. It's Paris. John. I keep trying to tell. I keep trying to yeah. tell my uh, my. Uh, uh, my son's wife uh father that his his name is Juan and I said well my name's Jan so we both jo- uh John and he he now, just he just he just looks at me like I'm weird well yeah and when I was uh had a lot of people in Houston coming from Arab countries and I'd tell them my name was Jan they would say well, why do you have a boy's name I'm like what so yeah, well, I, you know, know, Southwest Airlines, they they Jan. couldn't figure out that I was a male. Yeah, it's strange. They thought, well, Europeans they, they weren't going to let me on the plane because they, they said nobody has a name like that. I oh said, my God. you son of a gun. I said, I'm going to call a manager right now. Well, I've used TJ like a man's name because Teresa Jeanette, is the name I was born with, but in the military I went by Terry. But my whole life I was called Jan. My mother. Now, if was you go into the military, you can be any name you want to. Well, I went by Terry, and that's no, only. No, but I'm saying if you went into me. the military, you could be any name you wanted to. When Not you when sign I up, through. there's a place. It says what what name do you want to use? Not while anymore. you're in the military. Not so in you, you can make up a name. It's called Nam de Guerre. They wouldn't let us. Yes, they would. Not, it's right on your in, in, enlistment thing. It says, "What what name do you want to be? Uh, you, what name do you want to use?" And you just put, well, that, put. I didn't know that at the time. I would have. I would have uh, used a different name. Well, they were really hardcore on us. No, there's no there. such thing as hardcore on you. Every enlistment contract has it in there. Well, I have to go back and see because I swear. Yeah, they were just hard look at it. it. It's right there. You can do. You can make a decision at the time. Of course, most people that come into the army or or the military are young and don't never read that. Well, <coughs> I didn't I, notice it till I'd been in the army for ten years. I said I could have. I could have made up uh, another name. For myself, well, they they made me use Thurman TJ on everything, and I've no, you I, like I said, it's in your enlistment contract. You probably never read it. <laughs> okay, I believe you, but they sure were hard on me. What's Thurman in all caps? TJ. So that's who I was. So I guess that's who I am now. Or T Thurman. It probably wasn't even J, was it? It was T Thurman, wasn't it? Do you remember on your? I was Navy, but. Same thing, Army, right? It was just one initial. It was your last name and your first initial, right? Nope. 
just your last name, Thurmond? When you put when you you put your full name on there when you're dealing with anything legal and your uh, your serial number. Ah, uh, not me. We didn't have R A one one four nine three two two eight. We didn't have those. Yeah, you sure did. No, if you're in the military. You have a you have a serial number. No, officers have, have different numbers, but. Enlisted, no, everybody a has a serial number. No, no, don't tell me yeah, that. Honest to God, they didn't no, it, I, and then it became it became your Social Security number. Well, they did away with them when I went through. That's all I know because I was. I uh, well, when, no, no, not no. You told me you were in in the eighties. Don't tell me that. Yeah, I, I'm, personnel pro, I'm personnel. I'm personnel. Trained. I was an army. I was trained office personnel. I, I don't care if you're. Uh, I, I, I don't care if you're military. in the space force. Everybody Even has a serial did. number. No, no. They sure do. They had either that or the time they were using the social security number. Only my and social officers security. had to have a special number. On on my all my government files is social security number. I swear. Okay, so that's the it. Only, they were using the social security number. They stopped going through the. Yeah. Yeah. They did. Okay. So yeah. So. Well, maybe that's why you and I are working together now because in they sent me back through with a 1985 social security number. Yeah. Now, in social, I don't in know 1985, we uh, by that time they had started using social security as a as a serial number. Well, this like is I said, my number is one one four nine three two two eight. That 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 was my. Uh, in my fact, I went I went from that being I went from that being a, a reserve to a U.S. to a, to an RA. So, how many numbers was it? It was eight numbers. Well. Four six zero nine eight two five six zero. I just told you that's ten numbers. That's my social. That's your social security. <laughs> they stopped using the serial eight eight number serials. They, and they, they told stopped me using that. the uh, the uh, identification or serial number. They stopped using I the serial number that. when they went over to the to the uh, social security number. Right. Yeah. Everybody so I, has a has a has a has a serial number or a social security number. Well, that's why the girl in the 70s traded my serial number in 75 for my social security number at Balboa. Yeah, that's about the time. Yeah, that's about the time they did that. Was 75? That that sounds good. All right. And then in 85 when I went back through, they didn't even ask me what my serial because I was because your social security heart. number is your serial number. Right, that's exactly what happened. So there we go, folks. And it, it's very complicated with me because I was uh, GS, I was reserved, I was active duty, and I worked in personnel information, and I was with OPM, Office of Personnel Management. Not to mention security intelligence level files, right? Electronically, we didn't have such files. We had hard covers. They were old manila hard cover. So I worked before we had digital files. <laughs> so I'm so old, they didn't even have digital. And that's the way Jan is. So 
the, uh, you know, this, that's a whole other show we ought to do, the numbers and Social Security numbers. We could do a lot of stuff with Ace Folk Life. Well, Jan, if you have time, come back tomorrow night. We can we get you on Ace Folk Life. I don't, I, Suzanne didn't show up tonight, folks. Neither did uh, Bruce Cornett or uh, Janet. So it must have been an important night. Oh, Jan, did you catch Thursday night the new Star Trek? Are you a, are you a Trekkie? I don't have time for that. Bless your heart. You really don't? It came on. I did. I watched it while I was working, but I watched it. All right. Well, we'll learn about that serial number because uh, that may be something that we need to put in our UFO or UAP when we switch to, uh, well, it's nine digits or not, Social Security. How many? 460 Nine. Nine digital number provides capacity for signing nearly one billion SSNs. Oh, man. All right. I think we've done a good job. And uh, you, If you don't want to come back tomorrow night for Ace Folk Life, uh, come back next Friday. If you, if you want Saturday. me to come back tomorrow night, I can. Really? Yeah, as long as you're alive, let's do it. All right. Well, I'll tell Suzanne she didn't make it tonight, but we'll have you on tomorrow. All right. I'll call you tomorrow night, same time, okay? Maybe you can meet Jan and Rich and Ace Folk Life. And, yeah, uh, I thought I it, thought uh, I thought uh, you like yeah, I thought he was going to be on tonight. I did too. I, I, I want to talk to him about Bigelow. I want to find out. A, okay, well, I'll tell what, 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 but why Bigelow didn't like him, and uh, I know the, why he didn't like me, but that's all right. Well, I'll, uh, I mean, that's I'll you know, that's a, that's another story. Yeah, well, he likes to talk the uh, brain stuff, too, because of his dead wife or his ex-wife. But uh, that's okay. Tomorrow night is going to be more open than just me and Jan. And uh, we're going to work on this UAP Associates, folks. But right now, we've got to be really careful. And we've got to put people in alienology and cosmology and epistemology and ontology and all the ologies. But ufology right now, Jan Aldrich was one before – Army and I was one before Navy, but we're working it out, serial and social and everything else. <laughs> but he's first, you're also a historian. So Ace Folk Life, folks, is art, culture, education, but it's also science, technology, history, and folk life. And folk life, because I started this in Kentucky, had to be under anthropology at the University of Kentucky. And uh, we'll get into Kentucky and Louisville and Raw and Carla Rucker and all that tomorrow night. All right. Well, you did a great job. I'm a, you get some rest and be ready to fire it up tomorrow night. Okay? We'll do it again. Okay. <laughs> you you had a lot of fire spitfire tonight. I enjoyed you. Uh, we'll do, do it again tomorrow night, Jan. Get some okay. good sleep. Thank you. Love and right. light, dear. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. Well, I was going to play some music. Uh, I guess we'll. Ju- I just. I was trying. It just wouldn't come on. I don't know what the deal is. That's okay. <laughs>